Welcome to the Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Chaos Plan, where the odds may not always be in your favor. The events in this episode take place between the 19th and the 22nd of planting with Virgil Nelson and his character, Thora. All right, we'll go ahead and get started then. So um, where we left off, basically, you guys had just gotten back from the big adventure uh, going to Silverlight or Silverleaf Village taking care of Freya's devious world shrinking, or not world shrinking, but grove shrinking um, magic, uh, battling a crow, and earning the favor of the Darkstaff family. Uh, you guys would have then gotten back to town, you got paid, all of that kind of stuff, you got back late, immediately collapsed in your beds on the night of the 19th, and we are now uh, at the 20th of planting. The 20th of planting is the day of prayer. The day, the, how the week goes is beginning, learning, working, reaping, prosperity, feasting, battles, resting, memorial, and prayer. Um, the 20th prayer and the 19th memorial are kind of both, I guess, Sunday, for lack of a better term. If you're going by a standard calendar, it's a day of, you know, kind of taking it easy, but... You know, not slouching. You're bettering yourself during those days. Um, so the day of prayer would typically be a very religious day. The temple district would be very heavily, you know, occupied at this point. But other than that, it is a standard kind of weekend day, for lack of a better term. Uh, the next day, the 21st, the day of beginning is a typical Monday. It would be a day that all businesses get back going where major trade starts all of that, and then uh, so on through the week. So what would you do on the 20th of planting, the day of prayer? Uh, as far as the day of prayer goes, um, if it's kind of a day of for the temples and whatnot, uh, I'd actually like to uh, go and train a little bit, kind of center myself in the fighting style that I've been taught, and just not so much work myself to death, but really recenter myself and now that I have this group that I've contracted to help protect and fought with, uh, kind of center myself in what it means to be uh, one of the soul forged and what I can do to strengthen myself uh, to be that weapon or that shield for my allies. Okay. Uh, when you say train, uh, you also mm -hmm. talked about more of the spiritual side a little bit, you know, what it means to be. So would you go to a temple-y type area? Would you go to, like, the Fighters Guild, um, where you're basically housed and train with them? Where, where would you go training in this, this city? Uh, does the Fighters Guild have a place that's just quiet? Uh, just kind of a quiet practice yard, training yard, or, you know, something where I could be alone, or it's just kind of quiet, and I can just work on honing my technique. 
Yeah, earlier. Is there other places that would be better for that? Like a field, you know, something, basically somewhere quiet where I can just work on honing technique. Yeah, since you're inside a giant city, basically, a giant metropolis, quiet is kind of a relative term, um, but it would be essentially a early Sunday morning, uh, so there wouldn't be near the traffic, you know, people walking, carts going by. Uh, most of the people would be at temple or, you know, not yet awake if they don't go to temple. Uh, so it would be as quiet as it ever gets. There may be a few other people, you know, milling around in the Fighters Guild, but... Uh, there would not be a whole lot of other people, so it would be relatively quiet, and um, there wouldn't. It'd be pretty much solitude, but not 100%. So, if you want a total quiet area, your best bet would be to actually leave the town and uh, go out in the wilderness just a little ways, you know, just off the road, and you'll probably find total solitude there. Oh, I was thinking something not crowded. Uh, oh yeah, on Earth, an underground city. I mean. You know, there's always something going on. You're always trying to be there. You can't really go anywhere. So as long as it'd be generally quiet or peaceful, oh, yeah. that would be where I'd go. So the fighting training yard is fine. Okay. So you go to the training yard, and uh, I had you roll a bunch of dice before. Not a bunch, but I had you roll um, some dice before we started to kind of see what all was going to happen. Uh, the numbers that you rolled for me were a d20, and uh, we, you rolled three d20 and a percentile die. Um, the first d20 that you rolled for me was a natural 20. So uh, when you get out into the training yard, uh, you see in front of you a stout dwarven fellow. Um, his beard, while um, fairly long and very, very thick, is uh, a lot shorter than you would normally expect. And you can see that it's a little bit uneven. Uh, it looks almost as if... Roll me a d6. A two. a two. It looks almost as if it has been singed off with some sort of fire. You know, it's a little bit uneven um, uh, that way. And some of the hair on the outside uh, or on the bottom of that that burn uh, is kind of curled a little bit funny and darker than the rest of it. Um, so there's a dwarf with kind of a singed beard who is shirtless in very loose pants, a lot like what you wear. And uh, he is punching uh, at this kind of wooden uh, target almost, you know, a wooden post with kind of a sack of hay on it. Um, very t- I'm picturing in my mind the World of Warcraft, the, the stupid target dummies that you see everywhere. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, he's kind of knocking that around a little bit, going through some very, very familiar forms that you recognize. Would I recognize this dwarf? Uh, or know who he is? Uh, how... M- how big of an organization would the Soul Forged be? Not very big. Uh, it's a pretty small, a pretty small group. Maybe no more than fifty, no more than fifty alive members at the moment. Uh, it's pretty one of those. It's the the cream of the crop. You know, the the most dedicated, and you're selected to it. You're not. You don't get a. I just want to join. It's one of those. Decide whether or not you should be in it or not, and it's a super honor to be allowed into such a the organization. Okay, and then uh, you are currently on kind of a journey and whatnot. You know, not in residence there. Um, would that be a fairly common thing, or would that be something that's you know you're an oddity in the fact that you're out exploring? 
we go on trips every now and then, but most of the most of the people are stationed at Tallinnart because they're the vanguard, the royal. Think of them like royal guard. They are uh, the strike force that go on the biggest, the the biggest black op type missions. Uh, there's always supposed to be so many in the city to and around the keep to help, to protect the nobles and the royal family and whatnot. So uh, there's not many that usually go out. Always at least half of them stay at a time. But, but for whatever journeys or missions, uh, the reason I got sent out was to go get allies for Talonard, uh to deliver uh, the Lord and kind of be an emissary type deal. And so you could say that I'm stationed in Port City at the moment just because uh, uh, the Soul Forge sent me out to do this job and then told me to stay in uh, Port City and learn what I can and gain more allies kind of a thing. Uh, so it's not rare that we go out, but it's not uncommon. Or it's, it's not uncommon that we go out, but it's rare that we stay out for a long period of time. Usually we come back when the mission's over. Okay. Then, um, how old are you for the last question? Uh, my character, actually, written someone, <laughs> is, uh, 65 years old. Okay. And when would you have begun your training? Uh, probably, Because uh, you were kind probably. of a, yeah, you were a soldier before and you kind of proved yourself in battle, is why I ask how many years, right? Yeah, uh, as far as training, uh, in the Soul Forge, I'd say maybe, uh, maybe ten years. Okay. Then um, the dwarf, let me modify the dwarf a little bit that you saw. Um, his beard is very, very singed, um, as I said previously, and the gray in his beard is... His beard is more gray than it is black, so he is a very, very stout and stalwart dwarf, but he is definitely on the upper edge of uh, years to be... I don't want to say battle-worthy, but uh, he's getting to the age where he would be close to returning to uh, Talinar. I don't want to say retire, because I don't picture dwarves as being the type just to quietly sit at home and, and you know, do that kind of thing. Yeah, they would probably more take, like, an elder position. Just kind of... They would, they would train, but they'd be more of an advisor. Exactly. And a leadership position more than anything. Exactly. So you believe you have seen his face somewhere, but you don't think you've personally met him. Uh, maybe a portrait or in a very detailed description or something like that, but but you do recognize him as being of the Soul Forged and um, possibly in passing or in a portrait or something like that within Talonar. Okay. Uh, I'd wait for him to finish whatever form he is doing, and then uh, greet him in a traditional dwarven uh, greeting. <laughs> Tug on each other's beards. <laughs> that never ends well. 
Oh god, that never gets old with Dave. Um, <laughs> god. Um, so you wait for him to finish his form, and it's not shaky by any means, but you can tell that it is definitely, you know, early in the morning, and his joints aren't exactly loosened up yet. And he comes to an end, and he notices you there, and uh, uh, goes to tug on your beard, and <laughs> he, he greets you um, in whatever would be traditional for the Tullinart uh, dwarves to greet. And he gives you kind of a funny look, almost like he kind of recognizes you too, but can't quite place it. He introduces himself as Belnir, and uh, says that he used to be with the Soulforged years and years ago. He can tell that you're fairly new with you know because of your age and you're not you know super battle scarred and and all of that kind of stuff but he says um he was once with the uh soulforged uh years and years ago but unfortunately he is not exactly in his prime so he spends most of his time uh kind of running around looking for other small groupings of dwarves as Tolanarth is the kind of last major dwarven settlement that is kind of known. Um, he goes out and kind of searches for other dwarves that live above the surface or in other lands. Okay. But, uh, what you do is very respectable and uh, honorable. Uh, you do a great service for our people. So as I thank you as uh, a Bronzebeard. Uh, I feel uh, what you do is very honorable and should be continued, uh, not by only you, but others uh, as well. Okay, go ahead and give me an insight check as you notice a change in his his, his expression uh, when you say Bronzebeard. Insight? Yes. 19. 19? Yes. Okay. Uh, you notice that he kind of scrunches up his brow just a little bit, showing a little bit of suspicion uh, when you say Bronzebeard. Uh, but he doesn't openly... Uh, would you have also given him your first name, Thorin? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, he says, Thorin Bronzebeard, you say. That's an... That's a name that I would not expect to be in Port City. If I remember correctly, you're with one of the noble houses. What is a noble's son doing here? Uh, I am on business of the Soulforged currently. I'm trying to gain allies uh, in for the defense of Talon Arts, so that's the incursions to be fended off easier and protect the lives of our people. That does sound like something that they would send a Bronzebeard to do. But I do wonder, there are rumblings that you may not actually be a Bronzebeard. Are you sure you were not just cast out? And he kind of really scrutinizes you. You can see his, his gaze is very piercing. The uh, my character would be just super confused. Uh, uh, I have always, I have grown up with the bronze beard. I have lived with the bronze beards. I have served the bronze beards. As far as I know, I am a bronze beard. I haven't been cast out from my clan. Uh, I am still the son of Therian Bronzebeard and grandson of 
Dalen Bronzebeard, uh, the Lord of the Bronzebeards, as far as I know. Well, I'll be heading back before too many more days go by, so I will look into this. If this is indeed an unfounded rumor, it is one that I wish to stop. We all know that the Bronzebeards, while in power currently, don't exactly hold an iron grip over it, and the last thing they need is a scandal that their illegitimate whatever may not or may have been cast out of the clan after it was discovered. I see. Well, as a member of the Soul Forge, you know honor and the dwarf of the honor of dwarves of it is. Again, I have never heard such rumors, but I can tell you as far as I know, I am a bronze beard and will always be a bronze beard. I saw this thing on Facebook the other day about ancestry DNA. <laughs> A very short half work. Uh, yeah, he says, um, well, if you do find yourselves in Talanark sometime in the first week of tending, which you would know is basically. A month and a half off. Um, there is. You're currently in the month of planting, and then the month of rain, and then after that, it goes to the fire season, which would kind of be summer, um, and the first week of that, basically. Um, so, if you find yourself anywhere near Talonark in the first week of planting, be sure to look me up, and I will do what I can to get to the bottom of this. If I do not see you by then, I'm sure I will be returning to Port City sometime in the har- uh, let's see, sometime in the Earth season, though I don't yet know when. It would be an honor to see you at our home, at our home, Belmere. Well, all this talk of home and the Soul Forged in my the days of my youth now are getting to me a little bit. Why don't you say I uh, show you a few things here in the ring? Certainly, I would. I would be honored, sir. All right. We will go ahead and uh, we'll do just a quick five-roll type match. Um, go ahead and roll me a d20. Uh, you can add your initiative to it, and this will serve as our turn order. Oh, that's a seven. Oh, he rolled a six. Uh, was your seven yeah. total, or did you roll? Seven total. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he goes first. Uh all right, then. So he would, um, of course, grab a wooden training-type weapon, um, and he would wield a very, very long, single-edged blade. Um, not quite a katana, which you just recently learned to forge. This would be kind of the bastard sword version, uh, a much longer handle, and the blade is about another hand and a half long. Um, okay. So he would take up a stance with that weapon, um, and will go first. So you are both standing there uh, very, very calmly and silently after done the whole salute or whatever would be a traditional beginning, and uh, you're kind of sizing each other up. He would then, all of a sudden, in a very, very fast gesture, combining both a lunge forward and a swinging of the sword from kind of that upright position over to the side, sweeping for your side, uh, sweep the blade up at you. Uh, he rolled only a 7 uh, to hit, plus... Uh, okay, so he would not hit. I don't think a 13 would hit you. No, it would not. Okay, he would go to swing his sword that direction, and uh, you were able to kind of block it. As you block that blade, he uses the momentum to turn to the side and backhand you. Uh, that one probably will hit 17. 
Uh, that will hit. Okay. He will go ahead then and he backhands you, catching you on the kind of, not on the face of the neck, but kind of in the side of the arm. Uh, he's avoiding the vital points and will deal to you seven points of bludgeoning damage that way. I'm going to spend a key point to parry. Okay. Uh, so that is, so one point of damage. Okay. You kind of roll with that blow a little bit, kind of using that momentum um, of, of blocking that strike to kind of turn into that blow. So while it does still make contact with your shoulder, it wasn't nearly as powerful as what you first expected. Uh, I'd use my sword. Uh, I'm guessing we both have a wooden swords for yeah. practice. Practice sword. Yep. Uh, I grab mine uh, with both hands as well and uh, bring it up and just do a horizontal slash towards uh, the ribs. Okay. That is a 16 to hit. Well, not quite hit, no. Okay. Uh, then as I splash and he gets out of the way, I'd actually lunge forward and use that momentum from the horizontal slash and turn it into an elbow strike and elbow towards uh, the center of his chest. Okay. Um, that is a 20 to hit. Yes, that will hit. And that is six points of bludgeon damage. Okay. He takes that blow with a little bit of a oof and continues on. Uh, we then move on to him. He actually does something that you would not expect with a very, very strange kind of sliding backwards. He almost challenges you a little bit uh, to come after him. And right as you're about to kind of move towards him, he all of a sudden disappears. And right behind you, you get smacked with that blade to your back. Uh, that will definitely hit with an 18. And that blade then deals to you, uh, catching you squarely between the shoulder blades. Uh, 11 points of damage, and he chuckles a little bit to himself uh, as he does that. Okay, I'm going to, if you hit me in the back, I'm going to take my weapon uh, with both hands, and as I spin around, uh, sweep towards uh his legs and try and catch the, the sword at the back of his leg, at the back of the knee. <laughs> and I'm going to do a trip attack. Okay. That's an 18 to hit? Yes, that hits exactly. Okay. So, 8 points of damage. Wow, okay. And he must make a strength saving throw. Oh. He is slow. Yeah, he rolled, he rolled a 4, so <laughs> it okay. doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, he trips. <laughs> Okay, he lands with a great thud. And then I'm going to flurry of blows and use my last key point. Uh, when he trips, to just jump on top of him. And uh, basically, when I do that, flip the sword backwards. So uh, the blade is coming out the, bottom, the back of my hand kind of a deal. And I'm just going to uh, do two quick punches to uh, his, towards his face. Okay. If I can't hit him. So that is with advantage because he's pro. And then a 21 to hit for the first one. Yep. That's uh, ooh, three points of damage. Woo! And the second one uh, will miss with a 18. Yes. All right. Uh, with that um, strike, he very much, um, he, he kind of approvingly, because he used a little bit of a dirty tactic, 
uh, when he teleported behind you, he uh, a big wide grin on his face um, as he takes those uh, that first blow, having caught him on go- off guard, uh, and then blocks the second one. He would then. Um, I'm assuming you would kind of roll off to the side after you. Yeah, or are you going to try and pin him to the ground? Oh yeah, when he was on the ground, I basically jumped on top of him, like put my knee to his chest, kind of a deal, and just to hold his body down, it uh, punches uh, towards his face. Okay, and then after. Okay, and then would you try to get off of him a little bit, or would you, you know, stay? No, I'd, stay I'd stay there. I'd keep him, try and keep him pinned down with my knee. Okay, he's going to go ahead then, and from the ground, uh, just swing his sword at you. Uh, that probably will... No, uh, 16? That will hit. 16 will hit. Okay, he smacks you with the side of his blade kind of to bat you off uh, with only uh, 7 points of damage. Rolling too uh, low on that. Um, and then he's going to go ahead then and try and uh, flurry of blows you as well. Uh, both of those will hit uh, eight points of combined damage from that. Oh, that's <laughs> now. That's exactly how much health I had left. Okay, he would have pulled it just enough so that, that last smack, he, he, you know, he, he sees you kind of, you know, go pale a little bit and swim off to the side, and he, he pulls that last one uh, just enough to kind of push you off of him, and in a, a dexterous for his obvious age, he kind of jumps up you know, from prone and uh, stretches a little bit, uh, kind of patting you on the back to steady you. He would say, oh, I haven't had a fight like that in quite a while. It's been such a long time since I've been back to Tolinar. Thank you very, very much for, for indulging an old man such as myself. I've learned quite a bit, and I think you have uh, learned quite a bit from this experience as well. And he would uh, pull out of one of his mini pouches... Um, like a standard type health potion and uh, just kind of underhanded toss it to you and tell you to toss it back having had the wind knocked out of you. Okay, yeah, I'd catch it. I'd bow and thank him. I'd take a a drink of it or I'd take the health potion and then when I toss it back I'm going to grab one of my wineskins that I have and toss it towards him uh, and say, I haven't had a fight like that in a while either, my friend. He takes a good pull off of it, and I'm assuming it's something very potent and dwarven in nature. Yes. (laughs) He takes a long pull off of it and uh, wipes his brow and hands it back, and he says, You will for sure, next time you're uh, in the Soul Forge uh, back in Tolinarth, need to look me up. I promise to show you that little trick once you get to the point where... I think you can handle it. Uh, it's a dirty tactic, but it's very good at taking the big ones out of the fight when they're just so focused on charging forward. You get behind them, you smack them in the back, and they go down. Um, it's not necessarily an honorable tactic, but the one standing at the end is the one that gets to say who's honorable and who's not. <laughs> so then, uh, he would. if you don't have anything else really to talk about, he would wish you well. Uh, say that he needs to get back in and, and wash off the dirt and everything because you did kind of knock him to the ground. Um, and uh, he would depart then if you have nothing else to say. No, yeah, I just thank him for the lesson. And, uh, the formal dwarven uh, gestures and all that niceties and whatnot, and then just let him go about his business. All right. He would uh, then depart, of course, and we're going to say after you get yourself all calm and, or all 
you know, picked up and collected and all that kind of happy fun stuff, it would be about noontime. Uh, so you'd have noon to the evening to do something else if you would like, or you can continue to train in the yard kind of alone. Uh, it would pick up a little bit after um, noontime and after mealtime is kind of over going into early evening or, or you know, uh, early afternoon into early, late afternoon into early evening kind of a thing. Uh, it would pick up a little bit out there, but uh, you're welcome to do whatever you would like. Uh, I'd probably go to the forges, uh, and as I work on whatever project uh, I have going on, either for the fighter's guild or for myself. Uh, oh, I do want to make a set of manacles for Lord Dandy. Well, excuse me, he wants me to call him Lord Dandy. <laughs> That will abuse him immensely when he listens uh, to this. Uh, I want to make him a set of manacles because his broke uh, in our last uh, during our expedition. So I want to try and make him a, a nice set of dwarven uh, manacles and give it to him for uh, for our next adventure. Okay. Uh, and as I'm doing that, I probably just kind of lose myself in my thoughts and just reflect on the fight and what I could have done better or trying to remember all his move, uh, uh, Belnir's moves and just trying to replay it in my head over and over and just collect my thoughts and lose myself in my work. Okay, go ahead then and you can make them for a gold piece each and you can make, I'll say, up to um, three of them before the night is over if you want. Um, how many would you like to make? I'd probably just make two. Two? Okay. Yep. So Replace then, the one that he broke and then uh, an extra one for him. Okay. Go ahead and roll me two crafting checks then. And since so this is a mundane kind of whatever item, you can have advantage on that roll. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a 19 and a 22. Okay, yeah, you're very easily able to make these manacles. And um, go ahead and write plus one uh, next to them. They're going to have a plus one to the DC because you did roll very high on those. Um, because he uses his key modifier thing, um, his, his key score, uh, for those saves instead of the standard DC 20. So um, go ahead and write plus one next to him so he knows that. All right. I uh, just did that. Okay, it would then be evening time. Um, it was one gold each? Yes, one gold each. They cost two gold to purchase, and I use half cost for crafting rules. Uh, I'm not going to look it up to see for sure, but uh, that's just kind of general what I do. Yeah, that's all good. Okay, so you are very easily able to make those manacles, and they are very, very good quality. Um, quick set type of thing, so when they lock, they latch hard, and they're very difficult to get undone on anything but the key. Um, so then... At that point, it would be evening time. I'm assuming you would have grabbed something really quick, you know, hardtack or jerky or something like that as you go to the forge. Um, it is now on into evening time. Would you? What would you do now that it is getting on into evening time? Kind of splitting the day into thirds, you know? Um, uh, I just thought, is there any activities going on uh, in the town? Uh, any celebrations? Any uh, Anything along those lines? Not uh, otherwise, I might just go out on the town and just explore, uh, check out the vendors, check out their equipment, see what they're making, or look up new, like, how do the elves make their blades, how do the 
orcs make their blade, you know, and try and observe and do something like that. Yeah. uh, For today, since it's the day of prayer, the main activity would be up at the temple-type district, uh, even in the evening time. It's basically kind of an... This is such a huge metropolis um, that services kind of run constantly uh, through the day of memorial and the day of prayer uh, with the big-type services, you know, happening today on the day of prayer. So if you go near the temple district, there's all sorts of stuff going on, uh, mostly religious-related. Otherwise, there would not be a whole lot else going on. Even within the town, most of the vendors wouldn't really be open. Um, There would be places to eat and drink and whatnot, but most of the actual business business would be saved for the quote-unquote work week. Okay. Um, Is there a temple to Morden or anything, any of the Dwarven gods in... Yes, that's uh, being Port City. There would definitely be a temple to. There would probably be because dwarves are um, the way. Kind of you're you're explaining it is they would be very, I guess, rare. I guess for lack of a better term, they would be prevalent in kind of Talandar and that surrounding area. But otherwise, it would just be kind of small scatterings of dwarves, um, kind of above ground. Um, for lack of a better term. So there probably wouldn't be a separate temple to each of the Dwarven gods, but there would probably be one good temple, one neutral temple, and one evil temple um, to, you know, all of them that fit in that alignment. Okay. Uh, I might just go to the temple district then and uh, and reflect on Morden's teachings and whatnot for uh, a little part of the evening and then uh, call it a night, probably rest up my, my battle wounds. Okay, would you donate anything to the temple while you're there? Uh, uh, probably not this time. When I go back, uh, I'll probably forge something, uh, and take it to the, to the temple sometime. Uh, the next time I go, I'll forge something and give it as an offering instead of just gold. Uh, oh. giving a craft, uh, instead of just monetary value. Okay, um... Then while you're there, um, you see that there are a few other dwarves. Um, you don't necessarily recognize any of them as being from Talonarth specifically. Um, most of the dwarves that you see here would be in um, what you would think of as being a fan of Dragonlance and whatnot. Um, kind of like uh, hill dwarves or whatever. You would see, you know, more of the the cloth type trappings instead of you know, kind of what farmers and and that kind of stuff would wear instead of the you know, more armory, the more hide, you know, that kind of stuff that you would see, you know, less scale type stuff, like what you would see underground dwarves wearing. These would be more furs and um, cloths like uh, surface dwarves would wear. Um, So you do see several other dwarves there all kind of doing their thing, um, uh, praying and worshiping at the many different statues and altars within this temple um, before departing. Some of them do bring offerings of crafted goods. Uh, You see a couple of... uh, Flasks of some sort of liqueur. Um, that's all you can imagine, uh, and whatnot. Uh, people coming and going, but other than that, the the evening passes without much event. You finish up your prayer and uh, reverence and all of that kind of stuff, and then I'm assuming you go back to the Fighters Guild for the night. Then, yeah. Okay, you return to the Fighters Guild for the night, and that would end the night of the twentieth. 
So then the day of the 21st would be the day of beginnings. It would be kind of the typical Monday where all of the hustle and bustle of starting the week happens. All of the business that was kind of left over from the quote-unquote Friday um, would be taken care of. Uh, very much a day of commerce and a day of business. So what would you do then on uh, the day of the 21st, the day of beginnings? Uh, I would just uh, work on my blacksmithing, try and make a, a few coins. Uh, and whatnot to just help up fighter skill and make a little coin in my pocket, that kind of thing. Okay, go ahead and roll me a d20. Uh, add any of your crafting modifiers to it to see how productive you were that day. 21. 21. Okay, yes, you are very easily able to make uh, two gold pieces, um, which is fairly standard for pay for a quote-unquote day of labor. Um, so we'll go ahead and say that that was, you know, most of your morning and uh, you had lunch and then a little bit of the afternoon. Um, so you would still have, you know, the typical 4.30 to bedtime um, to kind of do whatever you would want. Uh, your crafting was fairly uneventful, um, very basic as far as crafting is concerned. You would have been, uh, for the Fighters Guild, uh, you would have been, you know, smelting down some of that ore that would have brought it, been brought in raw. Uh, you would be uh, sharpening blades, um, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Nothing too crazy. Okay. So then what would you like to do from kind of your after work until bedtime, for lack of a better term? We could split that up into two activities as long as they weren't too crazy long-induced. Uh, I guess I'd just go around and do some research on other crafting, uh, blacksmithing, mining uh, see if there's any better ways of crafting a weapon. Uh, kind of getting, like I uh, said earlier, what? How do the elves make their blades? How do the orcs? How do the, you know, just get an idea of different styles. See if I can't incorporate it. Thinking about what I can do with my sword uh, to make it a better, a better weapon for me. Okay, you uh, go to the blacksmithing trainer, and you see that you have to raise your blacksmithing score a few more points before you can purchase any of the new recipes um, from the vendor. But you can always hit the auction house to see if there are any rare recipes there. <laughs> I'm going to go make some iron daggers. <laughs> yes. Um, so you are able to uh, search out the marketplace. A lot of the shops would be getting kind of ready to close down a little bit, but um, they would still be kind of there. Uh, the day runs long as many of the crafters, you know, don't get out until this time. Uh, and since it is kind of a Monday, business usually runs a little bit longer this day anyway. So you are very easily very easily able to find within, you know, walking distance of the Fighters Guild, being as it's kind of the Fighters Central type area. Um, so between the Fighters Guild and the Mages Guild, kind of that strip walkway type area, uh, those streets, you are able to find plenty of different shops and vendors that um, uh, have all different make and variety of weapons. Uh, you see that a lot of times the orcish weapons are fairly oversized type weapons, uh, a little bit cruder as far as how fancy they are, but definitely very functional. Um, a lot of the orcish weapons uh, feature heavier type bladed weapons, um, like the swords and whatnot that they have would be kind of buster sword in style. Not quite that large, but very, very heavy very good at chopping through horse and rider both in a single swing kind of a deal. You would see that the elven weapons are always extremely gorgeous. Uh, very thin-bladed type weapons. You would see all sorts of different very 
artistic type weapons, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but also very deadly, very functional. The dwarven weapons you are very common with, are very familiar with as it is. A lot of the more bludgeoning type weapons, uh, war picks are also fairly popular with dwarves, uh, being multifunctional like that. Um, and so on and so forth. So you are very easily able to find lots of those different weapons. Would you be looking for anything in particular, um, specific design aspects, um, or just kind of looking around to see what all else is out there? Uh, kind of looking at swords. Uh, again, just trying to think about uh, my own sword, uh, but I different styles, see if there's any particular type of blade or metal or something that might be a better fit for my character, for my fighting style. Uh, just kind of getting an idea of what different races uh, create and see if that style, the way they make it, if it's more suitable to my fighting style or, or what. Just kind of get some research ideas. Okay, let me real quick open up my handy-dandy Google Drive with all of my variety of races, and we will just pick some uh, that are crafters there to see what all is available for different folk. So for um, crafters that you see in the area, already we talked about the elves having very fast, very thin, very artistic, beautiful blades. Almost all of them have some sort of magical-type aura to them, maybe not necessarily plus ones, but they all do have that, that bit of mysticism about them. Uh, the dwarven weapons are always extremely functional. Um, so even if you looked for like a dwarven sword, it may not be the longest sword in the world because they're, you know, tunnel fighters or whatever, but a lot of their weapons are able to do other things. Like, you see some of the blades have those notches in one end for helping disarm opponents, uh, that kind of a thing. They're, they're multifunctional. Uh, you see the orcish weapons, as I said, are very oversized, for lack of a better term. Uh, chopped through horse and rider in a single stroke. You know, very... Um, very, very efficient at killing, but you do have to be very strong to wield them. You see... Uh, go ahead and roll me... Uh, let's go with 4d10 to figure out what four other crafters you find. And just give those to me in order, um, from first roll on through. Seven. Okay. Two. Okay. Seven. Okay. Two. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. The first, uh, creature person that you see... Uh, I don't. Call, I can't call him a creature person. Um, the first individual that you see uh, crafting is a uh, lupine-looking individual. Uh, you're familiar with werewolves and beast folk in general, uh, but this is a very werewolfy-esque looking blacksmith, and he appears to be working with a couple of different things. You see that currently he is working on axes um, is what he is, you know, using, you know, one-handed, chopping-type axes, not quite hatchets, a little bit heftier than that. Um, but he does have several different blades on his table. Uh, go ahead and roll me a d6. Five. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, all right. You see that this uh, blade that he has on his kind of stall table, maybe but maybe glass window, depending on the kind of shop. I don't know. Um, but you see that the sword that he has it very much catches your eye. It has this strange cylinder 
running along the side of the blade. It is a single-bladed weapon, a little bit like a scimitar, but with less curve to it. Um, um, and it has a, a weird kind of doohickey on the handle, like a little lever-type deal, and there's a, a barrel that runs down the side of the blade, kind of like a tube running down the side of it. Um, uh, do you go and talk to him about it at all? Yes, I would be very curious on what this is. You introduce yourself, and he says, Oh, this weapon here is one of a new variety. I have been working extensively with the Crafters Guild, or with the Tinkers Guild, and they have come up with this very unique weapon. It has a single shot in it. It will fire a lead projectile out of the blade, and it will penetrate the target that you are aiming for. It doesn't have a very far range, and it's not the most powerful, but it can add a surprise to the attack. Very interesting. Can you show me how to make something like this? I could, but it would take several weeks. These are very precision things. If if you're off even a little bit on the barrel on the inside, the ball will not go all the way through, and it could explode in your hand. So I would be more than happy to help you learn, but it would take uh, uh, at least a couple of weeks' worth of training. Hmm. If you're staying with the Fighters Guild, I will. you can come and find me at any time. I frequently do orders for them, and I would be more than happy to take you on as an apprentice when you have time. It doesn't have to be all at once. We can spend three or four days here and there learning as we go. Under that, sir. My name is Thorun. It is wonderful to meet you, Thorun. My name is Nivik, and I would be more than happy to assist you in learning how to make these gun blades. Sounds like a good time. Okay, so then you take on it, take down his information, and continue walking down the strip to see what else was out there. Yeah, I'd probably look a little bit, just see about some designs, uh, just kind of get a feel for like the curve of elven blades or how thin they are, and the orc blades, how thick or bulky they are, weight distribution, and I'd probably just call it a night. Okay, after talking to that one guy? Yeah. After seeing that, no, the other blades are really going to catch my ass, I don't think. <laughs> okay, not a problem. Uh, just to let you know, Meta, uh, the other races, because you've already said it, so we're going to do it that way, but you would have run into a changeling uh, for kind of fey-type blades. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You would have run into a Deun, um, you know, the kind of the demigod-type whatevers. And then you would have run into a damn fear. Would have been the ones. Oh, uh, damn it. <laughs> you can come back later. Because um, uh, I rolled for what I had. I've got a list of exotic weapons um, that, well, uh, I've got all the different weapon crafting things. And you rolled and I, I counted down and yeah. So um, uh, I'm sure if I spend enough time and look at all the shops, I'll run into them eventually. Oh, yeah, exactly. This is Port City. They're not going anywhere. They're shops, you know? Um, so, yes, those would be... Um, that would have been who you talked to a little bit. So then you retire back to the Fighters Guild. Um, I'm sure grab a meal uh, real quick. Do you kind of go down into the forge again and, and mess with some of the crafting techniques, see if you can make those, you know, round barrels or anything like that? Or, or what, do you, what do you do for your evening before calling it a night? Yeah, I just get some scrap metal and work on rolling the barrels and uh, just trying to get that shape without leaving dense, just trying to work on my technique for blacksmithing. Okay. Um, we can go ahead then and end this day if you are okay with that. 
Uh, we're good to move. Okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, do you want to do the third day? Uh, do you want to actually do something for the 22nd? Or do you want to like just do the whole crafting thing for the full day? Or what I'll would you like do to do? Crafting. So yeah, we'll go ahead and say that um, you basically just crafted uh, the whole day. So go ahead then and roll me because of your... Um, Random rolls and all that kind of happy fun stuff. Go ahead and uh, roll me through. Are you going to do the entire day, or are you going to kind of take a break like you did uh, to do something kind of for one section? Uh, no, all day. All right, go ahead and roll me 3d20 with crafting and all those kind of modifiers. 9, 18, and a 14. Okay. Uh, the 9 wouldn't get you a whole lot. Uh, you went to kind of go start crafting and doing all of that kind of stuff, and you realize that there is hardly any coal in this entire area. And being as you're kind of one of the newer bees, um, you were sent to go get coal and you know bring it up and all that kind of stuff. So you wouldn't have really gotten any crafting done that first uh, little bit. Um, the second bit, you definitely were able to. Now that that was done, you got your warm-up done, you're working out. As you were crafting, um, because of that roll that you rolled earlier in the day, that 18, um, as you were crafting, I was going to have you start to learn a new technique, come on to some sort of epiphany. But what I'm going to go ahead and say is uh, one day, you, you while trying to roll that metal and get that barrel kind of figured out, uh, you, you learned that if you use a... Um, depending on the different metal mixtures, their percentages in each, you can really make a metal that is is pliable and able to take quite a bit of the beating that you would do to try and make it into a, a rolled-type barrel. So I'm going to go ahead and knock one day off of your training time to learn how to do that barrel. So you only have to do 19 days of training now instead of the 20. And... Yeah. And uh, you, while you were doing all of that, um, some of the other blacksmiths were looking on and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, they would go ahead and you would get paid for kind of showing them how to do that, you know, helping them out a little bit. They would chuck a couple of coins your way, so you're still going to make the two gold that you would normally get for doing guild-type work. Um, because you're helping the guildsmen, you know, learn new processes. Okay. And then for your last roll, what was that again? 14, you think you said? Yeah. Okay, then you would do the average amount of work. Um, you're working away. They kind of said, all right, get your ass back to work, so on and so forth. Um, so you go to uh, do the normal amount of work. You're paid your one gold. But as you were leaving um, the shop, that 8% that you rolled earlier uh, for me uh, with the percentile die, you go to start to leave. And uh, as you do, you... You're kind of doing an inventory of your workstation, and there seems to be some tools missing. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Don't fight. Uh, is there anybody around uh, the workstation? Uh, currently, it would be kind of getting into the evening, so most of the crafters would have left at this point. There would still be a few people milling around, um, but most everybody would be kind of getting the forges, you know, stoked for the night, you know, getting everything, you know, shut down, put away, all that kind of stuff for the night. So there would uh, be a couple other I people mean, around. I was say, I'd ask a couple of the people who are around, um, anybody near my workstation? Oh, uh, well, 
Yeah, there were lots of people running through today. We were fairly busy, and we were all watching you work on that barrel. Uh, that, that was a very, very ingenious design. Uh, so, yeah, there were lots of people around your workstation. Okay. Um, just so you know, oh, spread the word that some of my stuff went missing. If I find out who did it before they confessed to me, there is going to be issues. I agree. We, nobody steals from the Fighters Guild like that. That's a very shameful thing to do. We do nothing but try and protect this city with the work that we do here. I'll spread the word for you, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm gonna murder someone. <laughs> you take my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so with the tools that were taken, um, your smith's tools are no longer complete. So in order to be able to use them to add to your proficiency bonus, you're going to need to spend eight gold pieces to replace it. Oh. Yeah, I'd buy a set. <laughs> Would you buy a whole new just set of smith's tools or just pay the eight gold to make up the difference? A new set costs... Yeah, you make up the difference. Okay, you pay the eight gold, you make up the difference, and we will leave that little bit of a cliffhanger here to see what happens with that. Alright, so then... All I know is that my magic hammer is on my person all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't... Okay, if you stole that, I, mean, I would, I would <laughs> come down there and I will hurt you. <laughs> I am your god, you can't threaten me. Yeah, no. Uh, I had if below 10% happened, you would be pickpocketed, but since you didn't leave anything, or didn't leave, you know, the Fighters Guild, I'm like, oh shit, how's this gonna work? But, yeah, no, that we made that work. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, we will go ahead then and cut out from then, and when we pick up next time, you'll maybe be with the group. We're not sure exactly what they're doing for the uh, 22nd and 23rd, or the 23rd and 24th. Um, so we will go ahead and drop off here. Thank you very, very much, Virgil. This was a lot of fun. I know not nearly as much fun for you there at the very end, but hey, you get to make a gunblade hopefully soon. <laughs> hopefully. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God, that would be dangerous. That would be dangerous as hell. (laughs) All right, go ahead and say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Chaos Plan. We really hope that you enjoyed it, and since we are doing group games now, we are going to very quickly start getting episodes out there on a regular basis. If you want to take part, please visit Patreon, donate the $2 a month, and you can get in on this guaranteed. We already have the next batch of players getting ready to go for the next game, and we're already looking at the different DMs that are going to be taking part. Both Braden and Mike have committed to doing games so far. So if you want to get in on that action, please, please just join our Patreon. Thank you, and we hope to see you next game.